Life can be so random. You know, you're traveling from point A to point B, maybe three or four miles across town. There are literally dozens of different routes you can take to get there. How do you know that if you take one route versus the other route, something weird's going to happen along the way, like uh, you get in an accident or something? There's just no way of knowing. Life is so random. I, I was 21 years old, working at a radio station and driving home one day, and I took a different route just for fun through town. I was new to this town. I'd only been there a short time. And on the side of the road, I saw three or four girls that were standing there, and they looked at me as I went by. They were about my age, maybe a little bit younger. And I just, for some reason, no no reason, I, st I stopped and slowed down and started talking to them. It, they were they were fun to talk to. And, and one of them I kind of had the eye for, and I, I think she kind of had the eye for me. I ended up inviting her to a party that weekend. We got to know each other. She ended up being a girlfriend of mine for about four years. We lived together for about four years. Still keep in touch. This is, you know, what, 40, 45 years ago. Uh, random things happen to your life. It's just kind of interesting. Hey, this is Tim Patterson. You're listening to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I've got the coffee. <laughs> uh, I've also got a couple of books out, uh, Trade Show Superheroes and Exhibiting Zombies and Trade Show Success. They're both available on Amazon, paperbacks, cheap. And there's a lot of great information in there. Seriously, if you read one of these books all the way through, uh, you'll know more about trade show marketing than most people at the show. If you read both of them, uh, you'll definitely know most more than most. All right. Uh, websites are tradeshowguyexhibits.com, tradeshowguyblog.com, which is the blog that uh, uh, this is posted on. Tradeshowexhibitbuyerskit.com is, you know, if you're interested in, in buying an exhibit but don't really know where to start. A lot of great information in there. Trade Show Success Book, that's the uh, site for this particular book. And there's, uh, I think you can get a free copy of the book there, free digital copy. Um, Tradeshowsuperheroes.com is for the other book. And <laughs> I think you can get a free chapter there. All right. And Tradeshowguywebinars.com is not an active site, but there's a lot of archive stuff there, webinars and, and podcasts and things I've done over the years. Just kind of fun to go back there. So, random. We meet people at random. You go into a bar, go into a club, go into a church, go to a club. Uh, people you might otherwise have never met. A small meeting with someone can change the direction of your life. It's kind of the way life works. Uh, taking a wrong turn can open up new vistas. A uh, long time ago, 30 years ago, I had a girlfriend. We were uh, driving across country and back. We were going to take a couple of months. And one of the things we decided to do was stay off the freeways as much as possible. We wanted to open the life and the trip up to something that we may not have seen before. And we saw tons of great stuff that we never would have seen before. That was kind of the intent, though. So I think you can live your life with intent, but a lot of things random happen along the way. I think we're all very different, although we share a lot of commonalities. Our parents' influence or not can be very common. Our education, our circumstances, all... Uh, affect how our lives will play out. Uh, years ago, when I was talking with a friend and telling him about, uh, we were talking about childhoods, and I said, well, mine was, you know, idyllic. I grew up in the woods. I learned to ski, had three brothers, played sports, you know, spent out, uh, outdoors a lot, uh, didn't have a TV. <laughs> we couldn't receive TV. Not that my parents were against TV. We just we were up in the woods. We couldn't, there was no reception and no cable, of course. And he said, you know, you chose your parents well. I thought that was a great way to look at it. Uh, even though we may live life with intention, much of what happens is indeed random. I think the the intent as well as the randomness uh, kind of are the secret sauce of life. So embrace the random. 
along with your intentions. Uh, be open to going in different directions and seeing where life takes you. This week's guest on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee uh, came to me somewhat randomly. I got a connection request on LinkedIn from a 3D exhibit designer. We're in the same industry, so I thought, yes, I said yes to a, a gentleman named Jack Hale. After checking out his profile, I thought, well, perhaps I should invite him to be a guest. He said yes, and we had a great time discussing 3D exhibit design and how his business works, and here is how that conversation went. I'd like to welcome to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, Jack Hale of JB Hale Design. Uh, Jack, it's so uh, good to see you. So glad we uh, connected and you're able to spend some time here. Good to see you too. So, uh, you know, JB Design, you're just doing exhibit designer, kind of in the green room, you're giving me like a thumbnail sketch of how it started a long time ago. You started as a detailer. So let's go back to that. I'm curious to hear more about that little bit. Uh, well, I started as, uh, I, I always tell uh, people when they ask how I got into exhibits, is I, I, I came in through the dumpster uh, because uh, <laughs> I had a, a studio with a band that I was in at the time, and it was just down the street from a place called The Exhibit Place. And uh, we were building some stages and some other kind of sets and so forth. And the exhibit place used to throw out some really nice stuff in their dumpster. So I would go down to their dumpster. And uh, while I was there kind of digging out lights and things like that, I would kind of see what was going on in the back, um, you know, through their warehouse and so forth, and saw that they were building some really interesting stuff inside. So um, finally got up my courage at one point, since I was, I was working at the time as a, a draftsman at a uh, another sort of tech company, just sort of doing electromechanical engineering and so forth. But uh, got up enough courage to go in and um, kind of approach uh, the people in the, the design department and see if they needed anybody to uh, kind of do drafting and so forth for uh, exhibits. And uh, that's how I got in the door there and uh, stayed there for a few years as a detailer. And uh, I was one of the first detailers to actually implement the CAD systems when they first were coming um, into play. And, uh, you know, the CAD salesman came by and kind of dropped off a system for us and nobody was really interested. And I started <laughs> getting interested and uh, came in early in the morning and sort of learned it. And I uh, got to a point where I knew that system so well that I was sort of the guy that everybody else would go to to train. Um, right. And uh, Exhibit Place had two facilities, one uh, up here in the Bay Area, which I am currently, and uh, one in Southern California, which I was back then. And I used to go back and forth between the two facilities and train their detailers on the CAD system. So uh, that's how I got to know sort of the nuts and bolts of exhibits way back when. Interesting. So uh, when, it, when you approach 3D exhibit design, it's, it's a, to me a unique, and I'm not a designer, but from the outside looking in, I see lots of great designs. Uh, but it's a unique skill, uh, 3D exhibit design, different than graphic design, different than architecture, mm -hmm. uh, although those probably play a part in it. So how do you view do. 3D exhibit design from you're doing an exhibit uh, and that's all you're doing. You're trying to, to get the best exhibit for the price that's being paid and for the client and their brand. Well, it really does have some, um, you know, throughs to uh, architecture and also graphic design. And uh, the thing that we always have to be um, cognizant of when we're designing an exhibit is you have to realize all these things need to break down. So really you're sort of, you're, you're sort of designing architecture that can sort of flat pack and ship to a show and set up and then flat pack again and ship out of the show. So you're always keeping that in mind. And also um, you're always keeping in mind that, that exhibits need to go to a lot of different size floor plans. So whenever I design an exhibit, you know, be it a, a 40 by 50 or 30 by 30 or whatever, I always keep in the back of my head that this thing is, it may have to go to a 20 by 20 someday. It may have to go to a 10 by 20 someday. Um, right. So um, it's, it's going to need elements that can actually do that. So a lot of times that will sort of drive the way that the exhibits are designed and put together so that they're, they're very modular in that sense. 
Interesting. Uh, now, uh, you've, you're an independent designer, correct? That's correct. So do you work through an exhibit house or, or a handful um, of exhibit houses? You do, do clients come directly to you? I do both, actually. I've worked for almost all the big exhibit houses around the Bay Area since I've been up here. And, uh, you know, they'll hire me if they have a, an existing design that they need drawn or if they have an existing client uh, that needs a design. Um, then I will help them out that way. And I also have some of my own clients too. And, um, you know, the, my own clients are the ones that are sort of most rewarding because usually I can go into a design meeting in the very beginning. And I just love sitting in a room with like three or four other people from the company and like hearing their vision and being able to translate their vision into something that's concrete and 3D. That's a great way to look at it. And so uh, do you like make uh, kind of rough sketches at that point just to kind of to do ideas or you just kind of make notes and go back and do your, your, your I do both. Um, you know, I take, I, I take pretty copious notes and, uh, you know, I've always considered that, um, exhibit design especially is, a uh, you're not really creating fine art. What it is, is it's a communication skill. Yep. Uh, the, the client will have, um, a design in their head generally, or at least they'll have a branding idea in their head. And it's, it's, it's my charter to go in and help them visualize that. And, uh, you, you know, uh, to give them the best results for, for what, uh, their, their, you know, direction, desired direction is for the well, show. That kind of leads to the next question you talk about branding, but what kind of other things come up in that conversation? that are important for you to hear to make sure that you execute well and, and you flesh out what they're thinking, uh, traffic flow, uh, heights and, and, and graphics and things like that. You obviously have a kind of a list of that, but what kind of things do you, do you need to find out from them? Um, actually, what I'll usually do is, is sort of coming from a, um, an engineering field, which I did, um, you know, in the very beginning, um, I'll kind of concentrate on the nuts and bolts first as far as how many demos do you want? Where's your theater going to be? Um, you know, what do you want the main emphasis of your exhibit to be? And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where the space plan planning comes in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the um, kind of the, the traffic flow, we talk a lot about traffic flow in exhibits. And, uh, you know, once I get that kind of um, idea going, then I can kind of work with a, whatever their branding direction is to uh, kind of make sure that the architecture fits in with that. Um, so, uh, you know, my, one of my big, um, Forte's is sort of doing thematic exhibits. I love doing thematic exhibits. Nice. So if someone has a brand or if they, you know, they, um, they have an idea for a, a direction of something that they want to highlight, um, they will either suggest a theme or I will suggest a theme and we'll just sort of run with it. And, um, you know, once, once everything is established as far as what they want the, um, kind of emphasis of their exhibit to be, be it the theater, be it the demos, then it's very easy to sort of draw the picture around for the rest of it um, as far as uh, making it fit with the brand. I'm curious, uh, obviously you, you need to be able to design to a, a budget. So is that part of that initial conversation? They've got X amount of money to spend and, and you have to be aware of what things cost, obviously, to make sure you don't over-design or, or drastically under-design to what that budget is. You're, you're trying to hit kind of a range there, it sounds like. There's a, there's a couple of philosophies there. Um, you know, I, I try never to underwhelm a client by designing to a budget. <laughs> so a lot of times, if, if, if they have a big idea and, um, you know, want to see something big, I'll shoot for the moon and right. see if I can get it close. And, um, you know, a lot of times a client will not have a budget, um, which is kind of scary. Yeah. But they'll have a lot of big ideas. And so what I will do is um, I'm really familiar with what things cost um, as far as um, where, like if they have a lot of AV, you know, that's not going to be in the booth or if they, you know, have a fairly elaborate build. I have a lot of sources that I can draw on where I can get, a, 
you know, kind of a good price for that. And, um, you know, I've, I've been in a situation where I've had to cut corners before, but uh, generally, you know, when we're talking budget and we're talking design with a client, I'll usually have like plan B, plan C, plan D, you know, if, if, you know, we get overpriced on part of it, then I can usually dial it back so that uh, they're still happy with what's going on. Yeah. And in my experience, you know, uh, exhibitors have been doing this for quite some time, have a pretty good sense of what things cost as well. But some people that are moving from smaller exhibits to larger exhibits, or they're adding tech in there, like video walls and things like that, they really don't know what that costs and they want it, or they think they want it. They don't know that they can afford it. And so they're kind of getting into uncomfortable territory. And, you know, it's easier, I think, to kind of, um, in my experience, to say, you know, if you're going to want that video wall, for example, you're going to rent it, most likely, you're not going to own it. Um, and so it's going to cost blank if you're going to do it 10 feet by 20 feet long. Is it still worth including? I'm guessing that knowing that up front really helps at that point. Uh, yeah, you know, if they give me a budget that's just sort of, you know, they have, you know, 10000 to spend on a 10 by 20 or whatever, then I know we're not going to be doing a video wall. Right. Um, so <laughs> I, I know things like that. Um, but, you know, the, the biggest sort of jump in price uh, for exhibits is like when you move out of that rental world right. where you're, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the sites where you can just go and buy a pop-up exhibit, sure. uh, which, you know, 10 by 10 or 10 by 20 or whatever. And it'll cost you five to 10,000 bucks generally. And you can go to the show with that. Um, and when you get from that world into a custom world, there's usually kind of a big price jump. And um, the way that I sort of um, help clients get past sort of the sticker shock with that is um, the last few years I've been designing all my exhibits um, I would consider as hybrids. Uh, we're using part of it is rental, sort of the frames that the panels go on are rental. Uh, the graphics, obviously, they own because they're, they're tailored to the company. Uh, but the rest of it can be reused. So um, that really helps clients with a price break uh, to get them where they want to be if they, if we run into sort of budgetary limitations, which everybody has. I mean, face it. I think the hybrid approach is is more common, and I agree with you. I've seen it more and more in, in the clients we use, too. They, they think we, we're going to – we've got three or four things we're going to send with it, which is a, a couple of uh, counters, but we need a big back wall that we're going to rent. We're only going to use it once or twice, and that's that. Uh, I'm curious, uh, from your perspective or from your experience, uh, out of the overall cost of a design and a project, how much does it uh, does a design account for the is like five percent, ten percent, twenty percent? I'm just curious what what it comes out. Uh, it depends on who I'm working for. If I'm working directly for a client, um, a lot you know, and which is is going into their meetings and so forth, um, I, I will give them usually a price up front, which is sort of a flat rate. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm working for an exhibit company, a lot of times I'll give them an hour, hourly rate because I know that they don't kind of have as much of a price point to deal with. They're, they're just kind of paying for a design. So it's, it's sort of determined by the project. Gotcha. Um, you know, I work either way. Uh, I do both uh, exhibit design and graphic design. Uh, graphic design sort of, it kind of has a different rate than, than exhibit design. Um, but um, usually I'll, I'll do graphic design per hour and exhibit design I'll do either flat rate or per hour, depending on who I'm working for. Which brings me to my next question. I was looking through your website here. Uh, half an hour ago, and I, and I ran across, I think, the Bromium exhibit you did last year. It has some really interesting art in there, large pieces, some sort of um, uh, portraits, I guess. Uh, I noticed yep. uh, Albert Einstein, Frida Kahlo, Martin Luther King yep. Jr., other you know, images like that. Uh, how much were you involved in, in those particular graphic images? Is that uh, those are, those are all my images. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yes, I created all of those. Well, they're so, very uh, nice. I like that. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that I've, I've sort of focused on since I've been an exhibit designer, which is a long time now, um, is, you know, we used to design exhibits and just sort of have placeholders a lot of times for where the graphics go. 
And you never really know what's going to come out on the other end. If they take it into sort of the company's internal graphics department, right. it might end up just kind of being a mess sometimes, or it might end up being okay. Um, so what I do, what I started doing is really when I design an exhibit, I will be very suggestive of what the graphic needs to be uh, as far as what it needs to look like. Because uh, really the graphic and the structure of the exhibit needs to hang together really well to make a, a you know complete workable package. And uh, oddly enough, a lot of times the uh, clients will see that and they'll come up with something very, very similar to what I give them, <laughs> if not using the same image. So uh, I feel like I've been fairly successful doing that. But, Is it a cyclical uh, yeah. business for you? Do you have like uh, parts of the year where you're really, really busy and other parts you're not? I'm just oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm driven to shows, and, and it, it depends on which show um, segment you're sort of involved in. I'm involved a lot in security and a lot in high tech, and yeah. uh, the shows are usually in, I'm going to one in just a few weeks here, or a couple of weeks, uh, which is Black Hat, which is one of the big security shows. Right. And uh, we have RSA, which is another big security show that's in the spring. So it's usually spring, fall, and then I've got a couple coming up in the middle, at the very beginning of next year as well, uh, which is also sort of security. So it's yeah, interesting. Sort of, it, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with that business, but my, my, my experience right. is more in the natural products industry. We have a lot of clients at Natural mm-hmm. Product Expo West and East. And, and so that kind of is the cycle. I'm just, I'm just curious to ask that. Yeah, I do a lot. Of, I've actually done a lot of um, sort of uh, POP-type displays for natural products right. for uh, food shows and, and you know, health health shows and things like that but uh, a lot of those are done through exhibit houses so I don't get to go a lot of those shows but uh, you know I don't don't actually get to go but um, that's another way that I'm a little bit different from a lot of designers that are out there is uh, a lot of times I will go to the show uh, but that's got to feel great to see what you put on your computer come to life yeah it is and uh, one of the things I like to be there for is just you know when things are being set up uh, things will either get damaged or they won't be lined up correctly. And it sort of takes a designer's eye to look at it and kind of go, that uh, doesn't quite look right. Because, right. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, with exhibits, especially with um, hybrid exhibits where part of it's a rental and, and part of it's, um, you know, sort of based on a system, uh, fit and finish stuff will happen on an exhibit. And to be honest, that kind of stuff just drives me crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll be there if, if a panel seam does not line up correctly. Um, I will be there sort of cutting vinyl. To, and you know, make sure the graphic works, so it's right. not you know broken on the panel seam. So um, you know, a lot of times it, that's one of the things I really like about being on site. Um, you know, I've, I've you know in another life I was a mechanic <laughs> for a while, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm you know fairly mechanically inclined, and I, I I sort of do woodworking projects and things myself. So I like the building aspect of it, but I just like the aspect of being there to make sure everything looks good. Interesting. So uh, one last question, Jack, if a company is considering hiring a 3D designer such as yourself, what's the most important thing they should know before they make that connection and and, and engage you? Uh, I would just sort of um, advise them to sort of have a very loose direction on what they want. Um, You know, it's it's good if they've already, uh, you know, generally when I'll go and meet with someone, uh, they will already have a space reserved at a show. So that way I'll have kind of a 30 by 30 or a 20 by 30 to work with. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of know what we're doing and, um, you know, they'll, they'll need sort of a branding direction and also a direction as far as, like I said, what their focus is in their booth, whether it be a theater, whether it be demos and what they expect to bring back from the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, really the number one concern for most companies, uh, in attending a trade show is to get leads. So, um, there are a lot of things you can do sort of with your booth design and with your architecture to make sure that happens because that's really where the return is. So, um, you know, like I said, I would just advise them to have a pretty good direction or at least sort of, um, you know, a branding program that I can spin some ideas off of. Gotcha. That works really well. And where can people uh, track you down online? 
Uh, they can track me down at my website, which is jbhaledesign.net. You know, all one word there. Uh, it's a, it's, and actually, that's one of the things I've actually had a little time to do uh, recently. Is is uh, I've improved my website quite a bit. I've sort of been here and there and everywhere, you know, on the web. But um, I've got a pretty good website running now with a lot of my projects on there, and it uh, it didn't take too long to do. And I think it, it, was, it is a good site. And <laughs> I, I noticed you used the Wix builder. You like that experience? Yeah, I did. It was it was very sort of straightforward, and you know, I kind of uh, spent a lot of time on it and putting the the little movies together and so right. forth. Um, so um, you know, yeah, it's uh, quite proud of that. Well, good stuff, Jack. It's a pleasure to chat with you and have you on the uh, on the program. I appreciate it. All right, nice talking to you too. Thanks again to Jack Hale for sharing his expertise and insight in this week's show. I, I really appreciate it. Check out show notes on how to reach him and find out more information, and link to uh, links to his uh, site which shows you a lot of great work that he's done. Uh, this week's trade show tip, uh, a quick graphic tutorial on the hierarchy of where to place graphics. Now, trade show graphic is a lot like a billboard. You know, you have just a, a couple of seconds to capture people's attention. You should do it in a number of ways uh, with a great picture, a, a, a visual, an image, such as a photograph. You can capture attention with a, a bold headline, a bold statement, a bold question, something that stops people for just a second you got levels. You got very top. You got the second level. You got the third level. If you go beyond that, you're going to lose them. The third level, in fact, often loses people. At the very top, if you have a recognizable brand, Nike, Reebok, Microsoft, Apple, put that at the top. They can find you. They know who you are. If your brand is not as recognizable, uh, considering putting that bold statement at the very top and your logo second. In a sense, they're kind of interchangeable, but if, if people really don't know you, maybe the bold statement is better because that gets people to come uh, to you because they've got a question in their mind. There's, there's, you're creating a little tension in their mind. What? What? Do you, what, what? What? And then they come over and they interact with you. Uh, a good designer knows how to design trade show exhibits can assist. Uh, so you need to fit things in, uh, depending on the size of your booth. You know, 10 by 10, you're not going to have as many options as a, as a large island where you can hang signs from the ceiling and such. So those are the first two things, the logo and the bold statement, interchangeable, depending. Often that's enough. But if you insist on putting more text on a trade show graphic, that text should be minimal, should be easy to read from a few feet away, like 10, 15, 20 feet, maybe 30 feet, depending on the size of your booth. Uh, if it's a large island, you'll have a lot more space to do branding with products and logos, but don't fill it up with stuff. Uh, you've got a lot of surfaces, uh, images, product placement, things like that. But if it's a 10 by 10, you're much more limited. Again, the help of an experienced graphic designer is advised. The there is a difference between designing graphics for a trade show versus a brochure versus a website. Not everyone is skilled in all of those areas. They're very different. Trade show design, actually, for graphics is, is quite simple. Now, you've got to make some important decisions along the way. But once those decisions are made, it's pretty simple. There's not a lot in there. Uh, different from a brochure, different from a website. Uh, the goal of trade show graphics is to attract attention and capture it. Once you've done that, it's up to your booth staff or your demo team to do the remainder of the engagement. All of those extra details that you love to put on a booth, put them in a, a, a downloadable PDF or a brochure, uh, which will, of course, spur mo more questions and lead to more one-on-one -on -one engagement. So let your booth graphics do the job they're supposed to do. It's a very simple job, but a lot of people don't design their graphics to do that job. Stop people and get them to see what your trade show appearance is all about, and they will come over and ask questions. Uh, finally, this week's One Good Thing, an album I've been listening to the last couple of days, has actually been out for just over a year, year and a half maybe, from Sting and Shaggy. 
It's uh, kind of a combination of what reggae would be with Shaggy and Sting, who's done some reggae in his time with the police. A lot of fun. Reggae and pseudo-reggae tracks. Uh, good stuff. 44876 is the name of it. 44 slash 876. Now, the, 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 the 44 stands for the International Calling Code of the United Kingdom, the telephone call. 876 is the North American Calling Code for Jamaica. So they combined the two and made this up. Good stuff. Love it. By the way, it did win Best Reggae Album Grammy Award for 2018. So got a lot of high marks there. That does it. Uh, Have yourself a great week. See you next Monday for a new episode of Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I'm Tim Patterson. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.